0: Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, father. Guys, we provide content to help men become the men they want to be. My name is Brent and I am the Fallible Man. I'm not perfect, I don't have all the answers, but I'm on a journey to be a better man every single day, to improve myself and to grow incrementally. Guys, if you're joining us today, I'm really excited, but I'm going to tell you, you need to go back and catch Part one of this on episode 17. If you haven't seen it already, I'm really excited to continue my conversation with my guest from last week at Common Man OCR's David McCarter. But be sure and go back to episode 17 if you haven't seen it yet before you watch this episode because this is a continuation of our first interview. If you're returning and you caught episode 17 already, welcome to part two of the internet of brokenness. We are discussing technology, all technology, whether it's cell phones or the internet or social media. We're discussing technology and the impact that has on our kids as parents. This episode is specifically aimed at our fathers out there who are trying to be good dads every single day. We're going to continue the conversation we started last week and talk about how you as a parent can be better as a father in this age of technology and social media and all these influences and how they impact your children and how to work with that. And Guys, stick around to the end. This is a culmination, like I said, of a two-part series and Dave is going to share his five tips specifically as a father to combat technology and make sure that it plays a Necessary, but scaled, proportionate part of your child's life and how you as a dad can be most effective that way. Thanks, guys, and we're going to roll on into the clips.
1: This is the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowler.
0: Hey guys, welcome back. I am Brent. I am the fallible man, and I'm very excited to have at common. Com, I, I blow that name every time, dude. I'm so sorry.
2: At common man, OCR. <laughs>
0: at common man, OCRs. David McCarter back. He joined me last week to begin this conversation, and we're going to finish this conversation this week. We are talking about technology and impact, good and bad, that is having on the lives of young people today. Dave is a 20 year veteran, 20 plus year veteran of the IT industry and has filled various roles in that over the years. He's also 20-plus years in youth ministry, working specifically with age groups from about fifth grade to college age. So he has a great perspective on this because he has watched firsthand as the world he is as part of evolves and impacts uh, young people, and adults as well as the way we live our lives. Last week we talked about the physical impact and the emotional impact of technology in our lives. This week, we're going to talk about the uh, social and mental impact of technology as our children grow up. Dave, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. I appreciate you coming back to this conversation. Thanks for having me. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media.
2: Okay, so uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the same handle, at CommonManOCR. That's where you can find me.
0: Dave is all about helping people. Uh, like I said, Dave is a 20-plus year veteran of the IT industry. He spent a lot of time at a desk. And a couple of years ago, he decided he wanted to take back control of his health and his life and started getting back active, started doing obstacle course racing and going to the gym working out. And it's just, guys, we're him and I are everyday people. We We aren't bodybuilders. We have full-time jobs. We have responsibilities and commitments we have to take care of. We're just like you. We don't live on Instagram. We don't get to work out for 4 hours a day and have people cook our meals. We're not Instagram famous or pretty, but
2: wait, wait, people can cook my meals,
0: huh? <laughs> right? You can pay for those services these days. No, I'm I'm
2: good. I can cook.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know guys, we're just everyday people trying to grab a hold of our own health and take responsibility for our lives, and I really appreciate what Dave is doing there. So, we're going to get down into uh what well, we came here to talk about today. So Dave, I frequently have complained about my belief that Facebook personally I, I actually hold them responsible, so we try not to rag on them last week, but we're going to do it this week. I personally hold Facebook responsible for ruining the concept and understanding of the word friend. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> what what how do you feel about that sentiment? Uh
2: you know, I used to think you were kind of, you know, being an old Old cute, old cute about that. Um, but then I started actually analyzing behavior, including my own. Facebook, and I'm again, I don't want to rag on them, but it was um, the MySpace age. I think they were followers or they were connections or something like that. So, but they the, the coined the word or they used the word friend, which is a, a more intimate contact uh, to a connection you have with somebody else uh more personable context. And hey, I have all these friends on Facebook. Which the original implication of the word friend was these are people that know me, these are people that are my I can put side in, these are people that are um uh that I trust, etc. And it got blurred when Facebook came onto the onto the scene, that whole concept of friendship, actual friendship got blurred a lot. Uh so you're you're dead on with um kind of the I guess the ruining of the word friend and its, and its implications thereof. Um, I hear people, oh, I've got 3,000 friends on Facebook. Do you know them?
0: I'm well, doing something wrong. Obviously, I don't have that many friends on Facebook. <laughs> I've,
2: I've got a little over 2,000. Wow. I, but I actually know these people. I know every single person that is a friend of mine. A, a, they're not, a, a, there's a lot of their acquaintances from work and from other things. Um, but I, I have at least spoken to, talked to, been with, uh, you know, person hung out with every single person that is connected to me on Facebook. If I get a friend request from somebody, I don't know, fuck, I don't know you, go away. I don't I don't know you. Um, and there seems to be just this, this blurring of, oh, the more friends I've got on Facebook, the more followers I have on Instagram, the more popular I am. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, I have to agree that it kind of ruined the whole concept of what true friendship really is.
0: Or do you think this is bleeding into our young people today oh, and no. how they're <laughs> how they're approaching friendship in general, because you and I grew up like if you were to ask me how many friends I have like I, I can generally count them off like friends on on one hand you know i I can name them off, and these are people like you that i I call when there's good or bad, when I need help, when I just want to hang out with somebody, when I need somebody I trust, when I need someone to have my back. I I can name, like, five. Right. And my wife is one of those five. I I don't have a large circle of friends, but I have a very definitive version of friendship in my head that looks nothing like the way Facebook seems to define it. And I I understand they had to call this something, and they wanted to be different than MySpace, right, so they couldn't call it whatever they were calling it. But I see it really impacting young people when they talk about friendship.
2: Well, let me let me uh, I'll give you a short a short story of my own life. Um, I had a friend uh recently and this is fairly recently asked me for money and um they need some help, right? And this person doesn't
1: talk to me that much.
2: They don't talk to me much at all. Uh but they, they need help with something so I I said, Hey, here's I've and here's here's some money, here's what I can do to help you out. And then I was like,
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so awesome. I'm so glad i have your friend.
2: And then nothing. Right. Zilch. Okay. So I use that concept. I, I said, I was talking to a friend of mine. So my friend, blah, blah, blah. And I told him the story. They go, Well, don't you mean acquaintance? Because a friend wouldn't just stop talking to you. A friend wouldn't, would actually like, you know, try to pay you back or whatever. And I look at that standing in a teenager's life and a young kid's life of, you know, you got a lot of, People out there that are acquaintances, and they know you by name and sight, it's usually just by name, but they know you by name and sight or somebody else you're connected to. Um, a true friend, like you said, would be somebody like, when you're having a bad day, can you call that person? Well, no, they're not really your friend. Um, when you're, when you having, uh, if you're in the hospital, is that a person that's gonna get called on your behalf? Well, no, they're not really your friend. Um, so yeah, I, the, the whole concept of friendship, has been skewed with the addition of social media. Um if you notice on other social media platforms, none of them are called friends. It was, correct me if I'm wrong.
0: No, I I not on any ones I'm
2: on. They're followers, their connections, their uh uh whatever. But they're not called friends. And Facebook is the only one to have done that. So I don't know if there's a patent on it or whatever. But um uh it was very strategic. Uh, in the, the psyche of people to call that a friend, that connection a friend. And, um, so you think you're having this intimate connection, but it, in reality, they're just an acquaintance.
0: So and it's more it's, emotional marketing.
2: It's, it's it's precisely exactly what it is. And it gets to a point, like uh, for a, for a kid, if you don't, uh, step in and say, no, that's not, a, that's not a friend, that, you know, that's somebody, you know, whatever. You know, however you want to define it, if you can step in and actually make that distinction to the kid, the kid's going to grow up and have that proper definition of friendship. If you don't, they're going to grow up with the skewed definition of friendship, and that's you, you don't want that as a parent.
0: So, I mean, how do you 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 do work with teenagers on a regular basis, which I mean gives you an interesting sampling to actually watch all this play out? How do you think the social media and technology, like cell phones, and social media and the the like technology in general has impacted our social dynamics and our interactions. I know on the last show you were talking about your friends' kids playing on the phones during dinner.
2: Yeah. I see it happen- happening more and more as it becomes a replacement for social interaction. Um I don't have a problem with playing video games online i mean i'm on xbox live follow god's navy on xbox live if you want to um but uh i don't have any problem playing video games on my ipad or my phone or whatever but when that becomes a replacement for social interaction like actually talking to somebody or hanging out with somebody i mean for goodness sake we played you and i played video games before you know online but it's a great great thing we used to do this we just start doing it again this next year but I think mean, it was once a week, you'd ride, you'd ride up here. I'd ride down there on one of our, our bikes and we'd go off on a motorcycle ride together. You know, that was true. inter wasn't really interaction because, you know, unless we're riding next to each other and making faces at each other.
0: It, it was guy interaction. though.
2: I mean, that's, well, yeah, you know, but it was, but we were
0: together was, and
2: we're doing the same thing, you know? And, and those are, those are things that kids need, especially as they're developing those receptors in their brain for emotional connections of being able to have those situations where, Um, they're getting together, they're doing stuff together, they're going out and doing hikes together. If you want to have a video game night with a bunch of kids, great, invite a bunch of kids to your house. Have them in the same room. Have them in the same room playing the video game. Even if it's screen time for an hour or two. Land party. Exactly. The old school land party is amazing. Um, For those of you that don't know what a land party is, Back, us nerds would get to our computers together. We'd network them all together in the same garage or room or whatever, and we would sit there and play video games against each other. It's that's that's. Why would I do that now when I can just get on Xbox Live? Or why would I? Why would I actually talk to my friend when I can just post something on Facebook or Instagram? Uh, yeah, but it's not a, it's not supposed to be a replacement. It's a tool.
0: I, I remember uh, setting up four Xboxes and uh, four. Different televisions and having 16 player Halo tournaments all night oh, yeah. long with be Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was awesome because not only were you getting to shoot the other team or whatever, play against other people, but like you could throw things at them, like when they, when they totally nuked you, 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 you could, could like pick sure up, things
3: <laughs> yeah, you could like
0: pick up chips and throw them across the room with them and stuff like that because we were all sitting around these four televisions oh, kind yeah. of in, in a square. But it was awesome, because, you know, talking trash on on a headset sucks, but talking trash to each other while you're playing, like, right across from each other, we can you're throw chips so at each true. other, and exactly. laugh, and make fun <laughs> of each other. It's, it's, we were still on the screen, but we were interacting with real humans. Yeah. Like, I, I would reach over and push over the guy next to me, just to throw him off the game. He'd be well, getting close to get killed, I'd just reach over, like, push him over, so he'd drop the controller.
2: Well, that's one thing we're running into with this whole pandemic. What do you... Whether you believe the pandemic or not, and we're not here to discuss that necessarily. Yeah,
3: is, no politics. Uh,
2: yeah, no politics. We'll leave that out today. Uh, but, you know, kids are, they're becoming more and more addicted to that screen as a replacement for the social interaction because people are physically, physically and socially distancing themselves from each other. Um, but even then, you know, there's, there's ways to do it. There's ways to be quote unquote safe. Um, and be able to socially interact with somebody else. There's, you know, I mean, go old school. Pick up a telephone. Pick up a cell phone. Call the person. You know? I have to
0: remind my brother-in-law that, you know, cell phones make phone calls, not just video calls and text messages.
2: Even a video call, though, so that, that's something I'll stop right there. Even a video call can be a bone for this kind of distancing that we're experiencing right now because you're actually seeing the person's face, especially, you know, somebody who's, 2,000 miles away. Um, but, um, somebody very, uh, give you a fair example. Somebody, somebody very special to me is actually on the other side of the Pacific. And, um, uh, she'd call me, you know, video called me, like, and my spirit would perk up. Like, oh, hey, I actually see her. I'm not just seeing him. You know, a text message or something. Um, so there, there are ways to do that and be physically, socially distant. But, uh, you know, even when, say the whole COVID thing goes away, whenever that happens. Um, you know, don't don't just rely on your cell phone to actually reach out to somebody. Like go voice to voice. Go, you know, um go over to their house. Go talk to them in person. Go have an old school hand party. Whatever. But be around other people. Don't just rely on tech to do that work for you. You
0: guys hey sorry. (laughs) Oh no no I get it. No, I just harassed him because he can't seem to make a phone call He like, <laughs> for, for years. It's it's all, it's a video call. Like every time he calls, oh. I'll, I'll be in the middle of something. Like I can't answer that right now. I'm at work. I can't answer my phone at work. You know, if he called to check in, I'd be like, Hey, is everything okay? But I don't take personal phone calls at work, especially okay. not video calls. Cause I work in a secure facility. So I can't do that. Okay. Uh, it's a huge no, no. Mm. Um, hey, you know, guys, if you're getting anything out of this, be sure to like, and subscribe both at, at the fallible man and at common man OCR. Guys, we'd love to hear your opinions on these things. We'd love to talk to you about this stuff. Let us know what you think. Hit the bell icon if you're watching this on YouTube so you get noticed every time we post. And uh, let's keep this rolling. It's actually interesting that this is the direction you went with this comment because my next question is.
3: I only read your notes once. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say it totally isn't planned. Um, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's my opinion and you may disagree that we've lost our ability to have rational conversations Ah, with people we have different opinions with or disagree on something with. And it's something that I've noticed has become very prevalent in the last several years where, you know, having disagreeing with somebody automatically like puts you at odds. You can't disagree Uh with somebody, which is just mind blowing to me. Uh But we've, we've lost this ability to have rational conversations with people we have different opinions on. Do you think this is related to technology or just something in general does it correlate at all?
2: It's something... Okay, so... I don't want to blame tech because I work in tech, but um, let's be honest here. When Walter Mondale... And I forgot who he is. Was it Bush and Mondale? This is back in the 80s. Um, you know, when, when, uh, oh, here we go. The first election I can actually remember, uh, Reagan versus Carter back in like 1980, whatever. So yes, I am that old. So deal with it. Um, but, but, um, uh, if you disagreed with the political side of one or the other, it was you disagreeing with it, right? It was, it, you know, if you talk to your family or whatever, you know, you guys get to have a spat in the in, inside the house and that was it. Well now technology has given you a worldwide platform by which to not only uh ex- uh, not only shout your political views to the top of the world you can also rip somebody a new one who doesn't agree with you and call them a dirty name in the book and that's where it becomes technology becomes that um uh, kind of that, that uh steroid that really gets that that uh, ability not to have a, a pl- actual discussion you know uh, going really well um is it's it's exacerbated the problem. It's made it worse. It's made it to where uh I don't agree with you, but I'm going to tell everybody why I don't agree with you. and You suck, please, or whatever. No, but no, that's what I. But that's what I'm saying is that's 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 what technology's done. Um, it's not necessarily text fault. It's just they provided the platform. Everyone else provided the content. Uh But it's been this. Um, I mean, goodness sakes. I've had people tell me that if I vote one way or the other in this next election, that, that they're going to unfriend me on Facebook or they're going to, they're going to not talk to me anymore on anything. Like, okay, you disagree with me. That's nice. I'm not advocating who you should vote for. I'm just saying I'm voting for X or I'm voting for Y. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's become a, the platform has been great. Platforms have been great to actually have as tech, but it's exacerbated the problem of, you know, People turn to tech as a weapon to force somebody else to do what they want to do. That's, that's to me, that's the issue with not being able to have a rational conversation. Tech was never designed to be that weapon. It's just a tool by which to, to put out your content into the world, not rip somebody a new one because they don't agree with you. Well,
0: I'm, I'm not, that's why I said it asked about a correlation. I don't, I'm not blaming tech on this one here. Um, I mean, it's the same legitimate argument whether, no matter where you, and we're trying to stay away from politics, no matter where you fall on it, right? Uh Guns, right? Some people have very strong opinions about guns one way, or very strong opinions about guns another way. But, ultimately, a gun is a tool, right? A gun is not, is, it's an inert, if I'm using the correct term there. you are. It's, it's not good nor evil. It has no ability on its own. It's just an item that exists. It's whoever wields it. Technology in this case is a lot in the same way. Um, we used to call them. Remember when we were gaming? We'd call them uh, keyboard warriors, right? People who <laughs> talk mad trash on know. the internet. <laughs> uh, and I mean, these are people who would never say boo to your face, right? Um, there's there's a meme that I love that uh, was it. Uh, you can tell that some people have grown up without ever having to worry about being punched in the face. Yeah, <laughs> you know. When I was a kid, if you said something, you were saying to somebody, and you, there were immediate ramifications. Then people started getting behind keyboards and saying whatever they want. And as technology has grown. It's given this platform to exacerbate that where you can say what you want without fear of ramifications because you're expressing your opinion. And now it's gone to the point where you're expressing your opinion about people or saying things about people, whether they're true or not. But we don't feel like we have to be rational because it's creating tribalism to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something I really worry about with our kids is it's creating this tribalism where I don't have to be right, right? I can have, I can say something totally invalid or wrong, but because I have the internet as a platform, I can find people who agree with me. So therefore it strengthens my resolve on this and I become more unreasonable about whether my opinion is correct or if I'm incorrect and I won't even humor that because I found support that agrees with what I said regardless of what I said. Right. And and I think that is part of how this has become where we can't have rational conversations now is used to, if I said something and you disagreed or you said something and I disagreed, we'd have to have a conversation about that because we're on our own. But now, no matter what you say, right, it's like uh flat earthers on the internet right there are it there is a time where people laughed at them That's awesome. and there are <laughs> there are still a lot of people laughing at them, but they became a community because there are other people who believe that, and the world has united that with technology, so those people can find each other, and now there's a community of them to support each other, right. so now they don't have to agree or defend their argument or formulate that on their own, they have a community that helps support that idea. And so I think it's creating a separation and tribalism because I can find the tribe that agrees with me and I don't have to give, or I don't have to be willing to negotiate my opinion or thoughts because I can always find that support. And I, I worry about that with teenagers because you see the same thing with some of them. They have some teenagers with some very extreme opinions. And social media and technology is giving them a way to connect with other people with that extremism. Um, we've seen all the riots and stuff going on in the last couple months. And, you know, Martin Luther King never did anything violent. And I hate that people take his quote, uh, as violence is a voice for people with no voice. I hate that people take that single piece out of a much larger quote out of context. And that's that's not the word for word quote
2: that if you look you know, if you look at the quote in the speech he, he did not advocate violence at all.
0: Right. But people take that little piece mm-hmm. out to say he advocated that violence was the voice of people without a voice. And that okay. is taken extraordinarily out of context, but you can find other people who have the same emotional capacity at the moment and the same feelings and find that tribe. And I think that's why you're getting some of these extreme groups, and it doesn't matter what side, if they're left or right or no no matter what side, you're finding these really extreme groups because you're having an emotional reaction to something and you can find people who support that emotional reaction. Yeah. And with young people, you see, they're, they're learning to deal with their emotions. And so having that emotional support when they're having a negative emotion or a negative reaction to something that isn't necessarily healthy for them, but still being able to find support for that and encouragement for that, I think is damaging kids emotionally
2: on that note just so just to, just to extend your point just for a moment this is something i find myself having to do in social media um especially between like the current election going on right now uh if you notice on my social media i don't post anything political i just refuse i just I, you know what i'm gonna vote who i'm gonna vote for you vote who you vote for we'll see each other on november 4th whatever um But there have been times that I have wanted to just rip somebody a new one. Like, you know, get on there and behind my keyboard. Are
3: you insane? Are you completely nuts? Oh, my gosh, you're a furbo.
2: And I've had to take a step because it's an emotional reaction. to something they've said has you know, ticked me off. you got to take a step back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: What value is that going to
2: add to them, me, or the discussion? And okay, I'm not gonna, I'm, and I've actually, I've actually had situations where I've written like a paragraph and a half or two paragraphs or three paragraphs and then deleted the whole thing because, well, that's, I'm not gonna get involved in the article that's stupid. And I think that's a skill that kids need to be very, very aware of and taught early on, especially from, from, um, the age where they know how to get behind a keyboard of think, it's the, the whole thing we used to get told we were kids think before you speak. It's think before you type. Think before you have an emotional reaction. Uh, think before you blurt out something you don't, you're not going to be able to take back. Because the internet has a long history, a long, uh, um, memory. And, uh, be able to, um, you know, step away from a, uh, a discussion and say, okay, do I really need to respond to that? Do I really need to fire back at that? They called me this, that, and the other thing. They called my political candidate this, that, and the other thing. You know what? No, I need to just, Stop.
0: Um, it's interesting i had the same reaction at work i uh i frequently start to type into a skype conversation or a link or whatever you want to call it whatever, whatever the official name is these days um i i frequently it. i frequently start to type something and then i, I delete back, 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 back. <laughs> type it again nope so i can't send that i do the same thing with emails I'll, I'll type them three or four times sometimes and have to delete it and and it goes from you know, a, a paragraph to a sentence. <laughs> uh, I can convey what I need to with this one sentence. They don't uh-huh. need the pissiness of, of the rest of that conversation. Uh-huh. Um, and You're talking about emotional reactions, guys. Jump back to episode 15, uh, how to look more confident. And we talk about emotional control and reacting emotionally to things in the second half of that episode. So go back and see that if you haven't. We're going to roll to today's sponsor, and we will be right back with you.
1: Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at TheFallibleMan or at FallibleMan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our Attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com.
0: All right, and we're back, guys. Thanks for coming back. We are continuing our conversation from last week with Dave McCarter. Um, Dave is a veteran IT guy and youth minister with over 20 years in both industries. And we were talking about technology and the implications it has on the lives of young people specifically with only a little, you know, stealing off to the side of one other down the rabbit trail here and there. Um But that's what happens when you put friends together. Dave has been adding a lot of value to this, guys, and be sure to check him out at, at Common Man OCR and see what he is about. He's helping people take their lives back, just everyday people like you and me who have jobs, who have responsibilities, and are just trying to take care of themselves in the middle of real life. So getting back to the subject, Dave, did you ever have a, like, a math teacher who didn't like calculators because he, they thought it would deteriorate your ability to do the work yourself?
2: Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I know my teachers in uh, middle school. Show your work, show your work. But I have a calculator, show your work. And you actually had to write out actually this, oh, go all that to elementary, because elementary didn't really have calculators that much. But you had to write out every single like especially long division. You had to write out exactly how you got to the, the problem or to the answer. And if you didn't, you didn't get the points for that that problem.
0: Right. I, I had a teacher who was I mean, huge, huge you couldn't even have a calculator in the room. Um it, like, it was a no-no. You were not allowed to bring a calculator to class. She would take it away. Nice. If it was the first time, you'd get it back in your class and you'd put it in your locker. If she ever caught it, you would it a second time. It was hers. I'm Dang. still not sure how that works, right? It's technically theft, but
2: she has a calculator collection in her house. But yes, <laughs> yes, she
0: does. Um, but I, I understood their mindset of it. I had another teacher who would, you could show that work worked on your first test. And then for the rest of that section, you could use a calculator if you did well enough on your test. But I understand the thought process behind it, right? They they, The thought process was if you didn't learn to rational it out and work through it logically in your mind and go through the steps and go through the process, then you would not be able to do that later. You were shortcutting yourself and actually not learning anything. Do you think that the prevalence of technology today is impacting our ability for critical thinking because it is, let me finish the question, because it is so easy to just turn to our technology to get an answer. Like For example, my kids the other day, <clears throat> Uncle Dave installed a, a Google dot or whatever the crap you call those things oh, in the my Wi-Fi house.
2: Oh, the Wi-Fi access points. yeah.
0: No, not the little speaker thing.
2: Oh, that thing, yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Uncle,
0: Uncle Dave dropped by my house one day and Installed one of those and taught my children how to use it before I ever got home so they would think it was amazing so I couldn't just take it out because I would have just taken it out. And uh, so now my kids know if they get jammed up on something, they can be like, hey, Google, how do you say blah, blah, blah in Spanish? Hey, Google, what is you know 29 times 30? Hey, Google, what's the temperature outside, right? My kids know they readily have a resource if they don't know the answer they can just ask the question and so this is and this is the reality we live in right how many times have you just like googled something right you didn't know the answer to something so you googled it and there's a definitely a place for research and the ability i i love technology i love information being available so i can look up and learn things on my own but do you think it is impacting our ability to critically think through some problems? Because of the ease and availability to have somebody else answer it?
2: If you have technology become the replacement for you rationalizing a problem out, then yes. Um, why would I want to learn that when all I have to do is Google it? That kind of thing. Um, give you a brief story from my IT career. This, this job that I've got uh, now, <clears throat> when I was a contractor for several years, and one of the questions asked <laughs> me in my interview was, Hey, can you do you know Windows PowerShell? If you guys don't know what PowerShell is, go over to Microsoft.com look for PowerShell. Anyway, do you know Windows PowerShell? I said, No, but if you hum a few bars, I can take it. And they said, Well, wait, what do you mean by that? I said, I'll get a book and I'll learn. And was able to rationalize and and figure out how to write scripts and do complex stuff. And I think I taught you PowerShell uh, a yes, years you did. ago. And um uh if it wasn't for Taking that initiative, I, mean, I could have literally looked it up online. I could have Googled everything and looked up how to do all the stuff I wanted to do online. But it took the initiative of doing the research myself, doing the work myself, putting myself through, um, oh, oh, here's a problem I want to solve. How would I write the thing to do this? And that allowed me to critically think. Um, and a lot of times what I'm seeing now is, like you said before, they just ask their Google device or their, I've got a HomePod sitting next to me here in my house uh from Apple of uh, the I was ask my phone, you know, hey Siri, what's the temperature outside? And Siri's Siri's gonna respond here in a second. You know uh I'm waiting. Thirty three degrees? Oh stupid thing. Um but um but uh uh I think it is impacting that critical rationalization function of a human because it becomes the technology becomes a replacement for that. Again, technology's a tool. It's not a replacement for anything that you need to do
0: right and uh, i mean i'm and we're not ragging on technology uh so much uh we make our money,
2: how will we rag on it yeah I was say, <laughs> it
0: it's it's both of our living, so we we can't rag on technology too much no. but it just like our example with that in the last episode of this one uh with a gun right it, it's about how you use it um uh, one of my one of my concerns and one of the reasons I didn't actually have a device like is, is it is a google Dot? is that what that thing is?
2: Oh, it's the, uh, the Google Google Home.
0: Um, One of the reasons I didn't have something like that was I was afraid of my children learning to use that as an easy out. Oh, yeah. Uh, at a time when their brain is still very much developing and formulating and they're learning. They, they say you're at the apex of your learning in the first six to ten years of your life. You'll learn more in that time period, really, in the first five years than you will the rest of your life. But that's because it's, it's accounting for things like you're learning that you can breathe, that you can stand and pushing against you isn't going to knock you over, stuff like that, right? It's non-conscious learning stuff that you're learning at that stage so much of, which is why you learn so much more then. But, you know, with them so young, I didn't want them to start to learn to turn to that for an answer. I want them to go through the work to learn things. Um, I don't want them to ask Google to fix their math homework. I don't want them stuff like that so it's it really does come down to how you use it I think but there are we're hardwired in our society for instant gratification yes yeah. everything we do aims at instant gratification and so I think a lot of young people are continuing that trend as they have technology why do I have to know how to uh do long math or long division I can you know Type it into my phone. I can ask Google, why do I have to learn this phrase? I can look it up here. Why do I need to learn how to get from this place to this place? I'll just up Google Maps, right? It's replacing so, our desire to actually learn and internalize that knowledge yeah, because it's so readily available. And I, I think that's a problem in schools. Listening to like some of the teachers I know, how many kids are graduating who don't know some really basic things because their answer, a yeah, their answer is just to pull it up on the phone.
2: Well, give an example on that. Okay, so this last year I got to go to Charlotte North Carolina for the first time, right, to, to visit uh, one of my work teams out there. And I look at the map like on, on Google Maps or, or Apple Maps or whatever of where I was, where the office was, what the best route to get there was, and then I would get, I would leave work, head back to the hotel, eat, whatever, work out. I'll leave the hotel again, and then I would go get lost. Like, I'd go find the 511 Tactical Store, or I'd go, you know, go find this, this thing over here that I can be seen North Carolina, or whatever, and I would just go get lost, and then and I would try to memorize what I saw on the map and how to read that map. Okay, this is how I get back to where I need to be. And that way, I'm not completely dependent on turn-by-turn navigation. I actually can use... Some of those rationalization skills of, okay, I turn north on freeway, blah, and then I get off and exit, blah, and then, you know, et cetera. And I don't, I don't see people doing that much anymore. And that's terrifying because they're so dependent on that device to lead them where to go. They can't do it on their own.
0: So, do you think that tech is impacting our, our ability just to reason logic in general or just our critical thinking skills? Um, I know a lot of people who couldn't logic their way out of a box.
2: Or what paper Um, I think both. I think that the uh, the critical thinking skills are definitely impacted. We've talked about that already. The just, just common logic, or as they used to say when I was a kid, common sense, um, is getting impacted. If you don't have somebody who's there helping you through that or teaching you the right way, then it's hey Google blah blah blah, give me the right answer. Cancel, so not give me an answer. But <laughs> I got a Google device sitting over here. Um but uh, uh I think that 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 common reasoning, that common logic that occurs um to be impacted if technology is your first tool to turn to, your first thing to turn to, not trying to learn it yourself. Example, I've I've got a door on my dryer in my in my little laundry room and the door was mounted incorrectly. And <clears throat> you know what? I put up with that thing for five years. I just it sat there and and the other day I decided, you know what? I'm tired of opening my dryer this way. So I went ahead and I pulled the door off. And I looked at the door and and I had to figure out how to take the door entirely apart and move the move the, the hinges over here and put the door back together and make sure it worked and and I got it mounted back up and hey, sure enough, it worked. I didn't have to go to Google. I didn't have to go to Bing. I didn't have to get a manual. I just looked at it and reasoned and logically figured out how to make it happen. And there's some folks that they can't change a tire on a car without getting an answer from Google. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> to me, that's a, why are you driving if that's the person you have to turn to? Um So there's. There's some definite negative impact, but again, it comes down to how you use it, how you've been taught to use it. Um, you know, parents having that, that control. I hate to use the word control with parents, but that, um, those set of controls in place of no kid, you need to figure out how to get this done. Um, another short story. I was in Juneau, Alaska with my, my youth group here a couple of years ago and the alternator on my Ford excursion died. So I called my dad. I I didn't get on Google, I didn't get on Facebook. I called my dad. He goes, "David, it's the alternator. What do you think?" I'm not coming up there to save you. <laughs> so I, I had to look at the alternator. I've never replaced one in my life. I'm like, oh, it's like three bolts. Okay, that's cool. So I went ahead and got the tools and you know and did the work. Put all the, the alternator back on there and started the rig up and away I went. But it was because my dad taught me at a very young age very simplistic things like here's how you turn a wrench. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Here's how you logically think through this. Um, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably be still sitting in general Alaska right now.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we're moving towards a wrap up guys. And I, I told you guys that one of the things we wanted to do is not just, we we don't want to complain about it. Okay. Technology is great. We both make our living in technology. Um, and it, it's here to stay. It's not like it's going away. I mean, Yeah, unless there's like a I don't know, giant nuclear global war or something. Maybe Ah. we don't have to to (laughs) worry about it, right? We're all dead from radiation and bombs. But you know, we're not getting bombed back to the Stone Age anytime soon. Technology is here to stay, and it's only going to grow and change. So it can impact your kids, and as dads, we're trying to raise our children the right way, and that includes both in the way they handle th- technology and the real world, and we got to meld those two together. So I've asked Dave to compile five thoughts uh, from a very experienced IT professional and a guy who has worked with teenagers for over 20-plus years, guys. That's how Dave and I met, was at a youth workers' retreat umpteen years ago. Uh, I've asked him to put together five thoughts to share with you on how to help Make sure your kids are using technology in a positive way and it's not hurting them and you know what's going on with it. So okay. that's how we want to end this.
2: This is in no particular order. So the first one is have a balance. Um, have a balance between the screen time and physical activity outdoor times. Um, they're, they're going to be on screens because of school, etc. but make sure they go outside, they play, they, you know, run around the block, whatever. Run around the yard for four hours, however you want to look at it. And feel free to do that with them. Um, take them on hikes, like Brent was talking about earlier. Uh Pay attention. Uh Pay attention to... That's number, two, pay number attention. two. That's number two. So pay attention. Um, when your kid comes home and, I have this new friend on Facebook. Do you know him? No, he's from Indonesia. You know, you need to be paying attention to things like that. Uh Don't be afraid to... I hate to use this term, but cyberstalk your own children if they have a social media presence. Um, pay attention to who's on their Facebook page, who's following them on Instagram. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, but pay attention to what your kids are doing online. Can I, are
0: can I oh, go throw ahead. in one thought there? Hey, if you're going to have your kids online who are not technically adults yet, as to cyber your kids or whatever, here here's my add-on to that. As a requirement for them to have those social media accounts, they have to be friends with you on the same social media yeah, platforms.
2: Absolutely. So you have complete
0: visibility about what they're posting and who they're interacting with.
2: Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, there's been a few cases where that, I've seen that not happen and the parent come, back, come to ask me about it and, okay, well, here's your social media profile. They have you blocked. You guys gotta figure that out. Um, number three, get educated. Get educated, get educated, get educated. If a kid comes home and says, oh, this, this person, On Parler added me, and I don't know them. Okay, well, what's Parler? You need to be thinking about that and getting educated on what these kids are experiencing. Um, Get educated with, and you don't necessarily have to have an account on every social media platform or every technology platform, but um, when they're talking about, oh, I Snapchatted Billy. Okay, well, what's Snapchat? You need to be figuring that out and figuring out what the the pitfalls and the benefits are to that social media platform. Technology is a tool. We've talked about that a couple times in in this episode and the previous one. Uh, this is number four. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Number four. She had a big old number and number four. Um, it's a tool. On the YouTube version for sure. (laughs) But it's, it's, it is a tool. Uh, it's how you use it. It's never a weapon. It's never something that, um, should be used to, to tear somebody down. It's just a tool. It should never be anything more than a tool. Uh, this goes into number five, number five, it's never a replacement. So by that I mean it should never be a replacement for social interaction. It should never be a replacement for family time. It should never be a, a replacement for emotional trauma uh, and filling a hole via video games or something to that effect. It should never be a replacement for dealing with things in life. So, yeah, have a balance. <laughs> Pay attention to what your kids are doing online. Get educated about the technology. It, technology is a tool. And it's never supposed to be a replacement for basically living life. Those are my top five.
0: All right, guys. Hey, Dave, I appreciate you joining us. Once again, that's at Comma man OCR on most platforms. Guys, as always, you know, as a dad, you're trying to be Superman. Go back to some of my blog articles. I actually wrote an entire article on that. You want to be Superman in your kid's life. You want to try and live up the expectation, but you know, Life is busy, and life is technical, and there is a lot going on and a lot to do as a parent while you're trying to be a good man in general. So take this to heart. Technology is a wonderful thing, but it has some pitfalls just like anything else, right? It's just a tool, like Dave said. So be active in your kid's life. Be active with your children. Set the example for them. Guys, I am the Fallible Man. Thank you for joining us. Be better tomorrow because of what you do today, and we'll see you next time.
1: This has been the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.